After an historic Democratic convention, now it's the Republicans' turn, with the president still trailing in the polls. We'll hear from President Trump and from state party chairman Kyle Hupfer and John Zodi, plus gubernatorial candidate Woody Myers, and local candidates discuss the historical significance of this year's Democratic ticket and the impact for women of color. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. This is a life-changing election. This will determine what America is going to look like for a long, long time. The Democratic National Convention is complete. Now it's the Republicans' turn starting tomorrow. We're going to hear from Indiana party leaders and from President Trump coming up. It's also, of course, a big day here in Indianapolis with the Indy 500 running without any fans in the stands for the first time ever. Just another unusual and unique moment in this very unusual year. Good morning, 2020 also bringing us some very unconventional conventions. Republicans taking center stage starting tomorrow night, but this past week it was the Democrats making news and making history at their mostly virtual convention. Alexandra Limon has a recap. In virtual speeches, Democrats said Joe Biden will fix the immigration system, strengthen gun laws, and protect the rights of women and the LGBT community. All of this is possible for America. Who is standing in the way? Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. President Obama focused on the 170,000 Americans killed by the pandemic and the economic fallout. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. Senator Kamala Harris, who if elected would become the first woman to be vice president, said there are plenty of reasons to make President Trump a one-term president. The constant chaos leaves us adrift. The incompetence makes us feel afraid. And here's the thing, we can do better. I accept this nomination for president of the United States of America. In his first official address as the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden made his case for the presidency. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the ballot. Decency, science, democracy, they're all on the ballot. Biden said on day one, he will implement a national strategy to fight the pandemic, including manufacturing medical equipment and PPE and implementing a national mask mandate. In his closing message, Biden promised to fight for the environment, science and for all Americans, whether they voted for him or not. For love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. And light is more powerful than dark. All right, that was Alexandra Limon reporting. This week, former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg was among the field of former presidential candidates who also addressed the DNC. Joe Biden is right. This is a contest for the soul of the nation. And to me, that contest is not between good Americans and evil Americans. It's the struggle to call out what is good in every American. This week, we also spoke with two local Democratic candidates about the impact of Senator Harris's historic candidacy in a year where more and more women of color are running for office across the country. It's our time, and our time meaning uh, black women, um, not only in the state of Indiana, but across our country. We have seen an increase uh, with female, specifically black female candidates across the country. And I'm honored, and I, it's something I don't take lightly because I know that there are a lot of women before me 
it just it just meant so much to me uh, seeing how far we've come as a race, as black women. We were among the last to get the right to vote. And in this hundredth year of celebration of the right for women to vote, to see her up there standing in all her glory and just such a wonderful civil servant, that did my heart good. I was so proud. I was jumping up and down. And yes, I did shed a few tears. Those interviews in the weeks to come as we talk with candidates on both sides leading up to the election. This week, I also spoke one-on-one -on -one with the state party chairman who head up the Indiana GOP and the Indiana Democrats. Both say this year's conventions are like no other, and both claim their party is primed for success in November. The energy out there on the ground has been great. Uh, this week uh, at the national convention, uh, even though it's virtual, uh, there's a lot of energy around the Biden-Harris ticket. I think she's awesome. She's a proven fighter for not just California, uh, but for uh, the entire United States. When she was on the debate stage during the, the presidential primary, she showed that. I think she's awesome. You know, if you've, if you've listened to her through the, through the primary process and her positions, they are, are very far out of touch with what I think is the vast majority of Hoosiers with respect to policy. And so I think policy will carry the day and, and folks will see that they, they just don't really align with where she would take this country. I know it's a lot of hard work. We did a virtual convention at the, in the state here, which was a much, much smaller production. But I think the DNC has pulled it off. They made the, the best and healthiest choice for Americans uh, by doing this convention virtually. The Republican Party is doing the best that we can under the circumstances. So we'll have, um, you know, 168 RNC members plus another handful of, of uh, credential committee members in Charlotte. So it'll, only, it'll be around 300, uh, give or take, uh, in Charlotte for the, the formal nomination. Um, and then you'll see more of a produced program uh, because it won't be in person with a crowd um, like you've seen from the Democrats this week. All right, meantime, the president on the campaign trail this past week in a number of key swing states. At a campaign stop Thursday, the president spoke one-on-one -on -one with our affiliate in Pennsylvania about the issue of mail-in voting and the post office, with the White House and Postmaster General saying this week that some of those cutbacks will be delayed now until after the election. They're not going to do anything until after the election. And even then, I said, we don't want to lose any jobs. Post office is in great shape. It's run by very good people. And the big problem isn't the post office. It's what's going to happen when they're giving out millions and millions of ballots and dumping them all over the place. And again, absentee ballots are good. You request it, they send it, you sign it, you send it in. That's good. But these universal mail-in ballots are horrible. It's going to be a scandal like you've never seen before. All right, certainly this issue has caused a lot of controversy already with Democrats accusing the administration of sabotaging the post office. But what about the impact here in Indiana? Could this still cause problems here ahead of the election? Kelly Rinke takes a closer look. The clerk in Bartholomew County says his office has already received four times as many absentee ballot applications than what they got for the 2016 general election. We need to get the word out to voters that they need to submit an application as soon as possible. Marion County has received roughly 15,000 so far, an increase of nearly 80 percent in 11 days. We are on track to greatly exceed previous general elections. Extra staff are starting next week to get a head start on processing those applications. It, it is something that is extremely urgent for voters to not wait to the last minute. This is not the election. For the primary election, Marion County Clerk's Office received the bulk of absentee applications during a three-week window, and some voters got their ballots about two weeks after they were sent. How concerned are you about mail delays 
come the general election? Well, uh, from our perspective, we are just trying to position voters uh, to be in a position where they can make sure that their vote is counted. And if you receive an absentee ballot a few days before Election Day, Marion County plans to allow voters to hand deliver those ballots rather than mail them. You may remember those long lines at the polling locations in Marion County during the primary election. They want to make sure that people have plenty of opportunities to vote in person in November. We're going to find out some more information about those locations on August 26 when the election board meets to adopt a plan. In the newsroom, I'm Kelly Rinke, Fox 59 News. Kelly, thank you. There's also been a lot of discussion about whether the state should expand absentee voting in the midst of this pandemic. This week I spoke about that with former Congressman Todd Rokita, the Republican nominee for Attorney General. We have some reasonable absentee ballot laws here in the state. I completely support the governor here again on that issue. Our election systems are geared for in-person voting. If you want to know within a reasonable amount of time who won the election, the majority of Americans and Hoosiers have to vote in person or otherwise, the president's right, you'll be counting for weeks and months mm -hmm. and then trying to sort out the fraud that the Democrats are put on the country. But some have been so, asking, in the midst of this, some have been asking, why shouldn't someone with a legitimate health concern uh, related to the coronavirus be able, uh, not be able to apply for an absentee ballot in our state? Well, in our, in our vulnerable populations, like those 65 years of age or older, which is the, the, the biggest population by far of those who are, are, are afflicted with the coronavirus, what that, is an, exception. Who might that is an exception. The other thing is, we're going to grocery stores, Dan. We're going out and otherwise respect. Not everyone is. Not everyone is going to grocery stores. What about and those vulnerable and those vulnerable populations? Like I just said, are protected in 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 a vast majority by our current legal processes. More of that interview next week, as well as Rokita's opponent, coming up next this Sunday in Focus. More reaction to last week's Democratic convention, and our panel looks ahead to next week's Republican convention. And later, we'll hear from Governor Holcomb and his opponent, Woody Myers, on the topic of race and equality. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, time to bring in our panel this week. We're joined by Laura Beck, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Democratic strategist Laura Beck. Your thoughts on how things went for Democrats at the virtual DNC this past week? I think it went really well. Um, it was a very different format, one that we're not used to seeing. Um, but I have to tell you, I actually prefer it a little bit more than the in-person convention because it gave really an opportunity for a much broader representation um, for people to speak. And plus, you were able to really uh, it, there's something awful about a convention, I think, when people are just yelling at you from the stage. So it was very conversational in tone. And where we are as a country right now and where the mood of the country is, it felt like it struck the right tone. Um, I also felt in terms of the convention that there was very much a focus on building a broad coalition and broad appeal, whereas I think the Republicans are really going to be speaking more to their base uh, next week. But by including um, John Kasich, some other Republicans and um, a much broader uh, perspective, I think it really struck a great tone. Well, let's talk about next week's convention. Mike, what do you expect next week from the president and other Republicans at the RNC? Well, it's uh, going to be even less virtual, I guess, than the Democrats had. So much shorter time frame than what the Democrats had. But I think that the main advantage of the so-called virtual is it prevented the possibility of violence at either physical site, which I think was a very real possibility in either one of those uh, convention sites. But I think it'll be short. I think it'll be sweet. Apparently, the president's going to give his acceptance speech from the uh, 
from the South Lawn of the White House. And uh, I think it's important for him to emphasize um, the economy. Um, it has bounced back um, in judicial appointments, which I think will, will have generations of impact for America. I think the Democrats did a great job of emphasizing that character is on the ballot because um, I think it is. All right, Robin, where do you think this race stands now after what we saw from the Biden-Harris ticket this past week? I think it was great. First off, I love having the roll calls done all over the place. I did the roll call for Indiana when I was state chair and delegation chair. It's hard to convey what Indiana looks like in the Staples Center. But with people standing in the states, it was great. Now, we're going to have a very, very competitive race in the fall. It's going to be a brawl. It's going to be long. We've got 70-some days to go or a little less than 70 days to go. But Joe Biden made his case about middle-class issues. So did Kamala Harris. And I think we're going to have a win come November 3rd. And what does the president need to do, Tony, to counter that message and get back into this race with him trailing in the polls? Well, the message was interesting because it was all a bunch of hate speech uh, attacking President Trump, like was predictable, and, and they've been doing for the last four years. Uh, what he will counter that with is the results that he's had for the American people uh, on the economy before the pandemic, on the work that he's done with the pandemic and to get the economy roaring uh, or, or coming back. It was roaring before and it will again. Uh, on military, you know, $2.5 trillion spent on the military where uh, Biden and Obama had depleted the military on uh, going back to the moon and going to Mars, Space Force. I've got my uh, Make Space Great Again. You, you are always bringing the Space I, Force gear I, into the conversation. Space Force. But, uh, you know, the contrast, I talked about the contrast last week and talking about it now, the Biden-Obama administration had depleted uh, NASA. And, and, and you know, we were having to rely on uh, paying Russia to get to the space station. So obviously- things um, that, 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 that the president will contrast with, including the Mideast peace uh, deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Well, and obviously all of this uh, going on, sorry, Tony, in the midst, I think we lost you there for a second, uh, all of this going on in the midst of this pandemic and amidst a lot of other controversies uh, that we've seen this past week uh, in Washington, including the postmaster testifying, there was the Senate Intelligence Committee report on election interference and also the president's uh, apparent embrace at the news briefing of some of these uh, conspiracy theorists out there. Mike, are you surprised we haven't seen more pushback from Indiana Republicans on some of those controversial topics? Well, I'm, I was, I've been a little disappointed. I think that uh, the president, as I said earlier, certainly has had some accomplishments which he can, which he can point to. I think what, if anything, Republicans are disappointed in is he tends to self-destruct instead of relying on his accomplishments. He gets into really what I would consider stupid, petty statements. For example, he said this week that uh, 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 that Biden was not born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. What a ridiculous statement trying to start a, a, thir a new birther movement right before the election. I think we need to we need to debate the issues. And I think Republicans have great issues to stand on, frankly. Let's just talk about the issues and move forward. Laura, what are you watching for locally after the conventions? Obviously, you've got the 5th District race, the AG's race that could both get pretty interesting here. Yeah, I think those races definitely are going to get interesting. I mean, we we saw some of the internal polling that's come out from the DCCC about um, uh, Christina Hale being up in that district, Joe Biden being up in that district. Um, if I were a Republican um, in the state of Indiana trying to distance myself from Trump, uh, that would scare me a little bit uh, because it doesn't bode well for them. 
Um, in terms of the AG's race, what I think is fascinating on that end is you've got, you know, Todd Rakita, who has probably run for every office in Indiana that you could possibly run for, um, you know, running again. Uh, but, you know, he's going to Georgia in the middle of the pandemic to um, raise money. Um, so, you know, I hope he comes back in quarantines. Uh, so you've you've really got these races that are going to be shaping up and are going to be very interesting and have incredible, incredible impact. Um, in Hoosiers daily lives. And I think because people are so involved and they're so engaged this cycle, they're paying a lot more attention than they even would have been paying four years ago. Tony, Lara mentioned that fifth district race. It seems like uh, we've seen polls from Club for Growth, which is backing Victoria Sparks, and then polls from the DCCC, which is backing Christina Hale, that say different things. Both groups are putting out polls that say uh, our candidates ahead. Yeah, and it's too soon to tell. We've got uh, 70, 70 some days. Uh, to go, and that will be a brawl. But I think uh, to, to something that Laura said, Republicans will make a mistake if they try to shy away from Trump uh, here in Indiana and I think across the country. And uh, hopefully Victoria and others won't do that. A big issue that we haven't talked about is crime, and we're all seeing it. We've seen it uh, in our cities here, but we've really seen it in, in the bigger cities across the country. And that's going to be an issue for Republicans. And it's the Democrat cities, you hear it, but you only hear it you know, on certain stations. It's the Democrat-led cities that are leading in these crime and statistics are through the roof increases in homicides and shootings and, and all kinds of crimes across the board. And, and President Trump is getting those uh, union, police union and sheriff unions support endorsements. That's big, that's gonna play big in Indiana and Republicans need to remember that. Robin, your response to that briefly? Well, my response would be, we'll see what happens when we talk about middle-class issues, about the Brownsburg mother who's worried about making sure there's health care for her kid, about people worried about Social Security, particularly if you suspend the payroll tax that impacts Social Security. And one fundamental thing, getting our mail. We have a president who has decided to politicize the Postal Service. So let's see what happens when we talk about kitchen table issues, middle-income issues, middle-income values. I believe that we're going to win on November 3rd. Robin, Tony, Mike, Laura, thank you all so much. Enjoy the uh, Indy 500 later today from home. We appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Coming up next, this Sunday in Focus, Governor Holcomb and his opponent, Woody Myers, unveiling proposals on inclusion and equality. We'll hear from them both coming up after the break. Governor Eric Holcomb and his opponent had a lot to say this week on the issue of race and equality. The governor releasing a series of proposals Tuesday, including body cameras for state police. In response, his opponent, Woody Myers, released a brief six-word statement saying, much too little, much too late. Kayla Sullivan has more. This plan took months to complete, but the governor says they are just steps in a broad process to make sure every Hoosier feels they have equal opportunity here. He says he wants to change policy and hearts. After what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis in May, Governor Eric Holcomb says he took a close look at Indiana. I called my entire cabinet together and shared my commitment to acknowledge past shortcomings and do something about it, no matter how hard or raw or uncomfortable it might be. That's why the governor is creating Indiana's first chief equity, inclusion and opportunity officer. Their job will be to break barriers and inspire systematic change. It's great to have a position. It's great to have a staff. But if there's not some meaningful action behind that and there's not meaningful change behind it, it really 
doesn't do anything positive. Indiana Black Legislative Caucus Vice Chair Earl Harris Jr. says he's pleased the governor is going to mandate body cameras for Indiana State Police Troopers by spring of 2021. He hopes the state legislature can do the same for all law enforcement agencies. Banning chokehold and no-knock warrants are big items for IBLC. The governor did not announce those bans. However, he did create a third-party review of law enforcement training and curriculum, focusing on use of force, de-escalation training, and implicit bias. In his political ad for governor, Democratic candidate Dr. Woody Myers uses his firsthand experiences as a physician and former state health commissioner to point out Indiana's lack of inclusion and equity. Even medicine is not immune to racism, bigotry, Myers' plan to address these issues focuses on health care changes he calls essential. He wants to immediately increase the number of COVID-19 testing sites in minority areas, decrease the number of women and infants dying during childbirth, and expand health care access. Medicare for many, many more. Medicaid and uh, and private insurance as well. Myers also stresses equality in education must be a top priority. He wants to increase teacher salaries and change the funding formula to benefit underserved communities. We need a, a much more aggressive uh, set of uh, policy changes for K-12 through education in Indiana. If Myers is elected, he says he'll push for body cameras on every law enforcement officer in the state. His plan includes criminal justice policy changes as well. A ban on the uh, abusive chokeholds, new training for implicit bias. Myers says Indiana has a long way to go when it comes to equity, inclusion, and opportunity, and he points out Hoosiers have made progress. I'm the only uh, African-American candidate for governor in America today. I'm the only physician candidate for governor in America today. All right, that was Kayla Sullivan reporting. Meantime, we are taking a deeper dive on the issue of race and equality in a special in-focus town hall Wednesday night, a conversation on race. My colleagues, Pierchelle Edme, Fanchin Stinger, Debbie Knox, and Nick McGill will be talking with local police and community leaders Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us this week. Much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in focus.